Let's go.
one more time. Have your way, have your way, have your way. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Yours, we want you. 
table there's room for you at the table and it's not by your works but it's by your faith in him that you have access to that table and on that table is all the strength you need is all is is all the wisdom you need it's all the power you need he's inviting you this morning to a feast in psalms 103 says this praise the lord all my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles at the banquet table of the Lord. There is strength for your weariness. There is forgiveness for your transgressions. There are healings for your sickness. I have a sense this morning that God wants to not only invite you to the table, but he wants to He wants to heal you. He wants to forgive you. So I wonder this morning in your in your living rooms, uh, in your uh, in front of your computer screens, if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads just for a minute, just for a minute. In Psalm 103, it says, do not forget all his benefits. We have a tendency to need to be reminded to rem- be re- reminded of the goodness of God. You see, there are benefits in knowing King Jesus. There are benefits to his kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. There are benefits that you have the ability to receive if you respond to faith, to the truth of God. And I believe this morning that he wants to heal some of you. I, I had a sense that somebody had a, a, a their side was, had a pain in their side that the Lord wanted to touch this morning. I also saw an ankle that maybe had been twisted that the Lord wanted to uh, to, to heal. And maybe you're out there this, mor- this morning and you have some kind of ailment. What I want you to do is I want you just to pause for a second and I want you to be reminded that his desire is to heal you. His desire is to, is to release his healing power right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I come to you this morning and I thank you for the name that is above every other name. That name is Jesus. And when you walk into the room, Lord, sickness bows, the dead rise, 
And Lord, I pray today that, that you release that healing presence upon every individual. Lord, they would sense right now that your healing would be released. And if that's you this morning, what I want you to do is just to try that out. If you're, if it's your side, I want you just to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, see if you've gotten healed or if it's your ankle or your knee or what, wherever it is, just practice that out. And, and uh, Lord, we come to you. And Father, I just pray for a deposit. Now listen, if you've been touched by the Lord, what I want you to do is just hit up that chat button and tell us uh, that you have uh, received a healing so that others can rejoice in the goodness of God. Our God is so good. It's so good to see you this morning. My name is Pastor Daniel McKee. I'm the associate and youth pastor of Lighthouse, and we miss you. And it's our privilege to bring uh, to you this morning an online service. In a minute, we're going to go ahead and take up the offering. And so uh, in a few seconds, the screen will uh, change, and there'll be some uh, things on the screen that will tell you how to give um, uh, to the church during this uh, time online. And so what I'm going to do is just pray over this offering. Lord, I come to you today. And I thank you that you are our provider. Lord, I have seen firsthand your faithfulness during this season. And I am not the only one that you've provided for. Lord, you have provided for each and every one of us. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray over this offering. Lord, I thank you for those that are faithful to give to the local church. Lord, we just thank you for those that are faithful in their tithes and their offering. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So sit back and relax. We have a great word coming from Dr. Kramer in just a few moments. God bless you. Hey, good morning, and it's so good to be with you today to bring, with, bring the Word of God to you. Look forward to being right there in your living room this morning. We're starting a new sermon series uh, right now, and it's going to run through sometime in July, um, and I'm really excited about it. Uh, a couple of us, you know, around the office, we kind of came up with the name, and, uh, but it's called The Family Recipe. And, you know, probably if you haven't been uh, eating out quite as much as you normally would, you're probably doing a little bit more cooking at home. That could mean extra tombstone pizzas. It could mean, I don't know what it means at your house, but uh, we get real... uh, you know, we, we start doing a lot of experiments in the kitchen, you know, with whatever you have left, and we just kind of whip up a recipe and see if it's edible. And uh, so I got thinking about the whole idea of, of recipes and, you know, because we're living with those a little bit more than we used to. But also, uh, you know, there are certain recipes that get handed down from generation to generation. It may be true that if I sat and talked with you for a few minutes, maybe around the subject of Thanksgiving or Christmas, or maybe a, a holiday, a birthday, there would always be a family recipe that would show up there. There would be something that your mom or your grandma or Aunt Susie or somebody cooked, and they would bring it, and you would look forward to that family get-together just because of that one family recipe. 
um, I've seen uh, families that have passed down, one of the things that they would do when couples would get married was they would pass down a family cookbook that would have all of the traditional family recipes from that family that would go in there. Well, this whole idea is it's not just about food. I want to talk to you from the Word of God about the ingredients to a great family. I want to talk to you about what does it mean to have a recipe that can produce a successful family. Is there such a thing? I believe there is found in the Word of God. We can look at what the Word has to tell us and we can find out what are the ingredients for a successful home and family. The beautiful thing about getting it from the Word is that it doesn't matter what continent you're on. It doesn't matter what generation you're in. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. You can still have a successful family. Why? Because those ingredients come from the Word of God. And so if we'll follow what the Word has to say, our families can be successful in any kind of conditions. And I just believe that. And I hope you do too. And uh, we're going to get into the Word in, in just a minute. But I, I want to I, I just challenge you. You know, no matter where you're at right now, the passages that we're going to look at today um, really speak to the whole issue of the fact that family is by the grace of God. You need the grace of God uh, to make your family work. You say, well, I, you know, I've got this imperfect situation and that, uh, that train wreck of a situation. How can my family ever be any good? Let me tell you, in the grace of God, there's... there's there is available for you hope and life and peace. God's got some things in store for you, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that word with you today. Um, so we're going to be in the, the scriptures today. I'm going to start with um, the, the first passage is Isaiah uh, chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Um, this is a beautiful passage to talk about the, a bad situation that is turned around for the good. Isaiah 50, 54 verse 1 says, Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Now, before we go any further, let me just push pause on this thought. If you were preparing a meal in your kitchen, you would first ask yourself, what do I want to prepare? Is this a side dish? Is this a main dish? Is this a dessert? And you would begin with the end in mind, right? You would begin with whatever it was that you wanted to have come out of the oven. You wouldn't just start throwing ingredients into the bowl and mixing them up or heating up a pan if you didn't need the pan. You'd begin with the end in mind. So what, uh, what Isaiah is telling this barren woman is that even though she doesn't have a child, he's telling her that God's got a promise of not just a child but many children, and he tells her she's got uh, to operate in faith and she's got to step out. So I want to talk to you from the standpoint of beginning with the end in mind. What are you hoping for for your family? What are you trusting God for in the midst of your circumstance? This woman started with nothing. Less than nothing. You, you uh, might be in a situation where you say, you know what, I've got generations of, of divorce. There's been generations of drug addiction. There's been generations of, of mental health problems in my family. You don't know where I'm at, Pastor Ken. Well, this barren woman, 
She understood that her situations were not likely to turn out well. But the prophet comes to tell her, you need, you need to begin with the end in mind. You need to move toward what you want, not toward what you have. Don't live in the past, but begin to step out in faith for the thing that you want to have. Here's another part of the same promise from verse 13 of Isaiah chapter 54. All your sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace. That word peace in, in Hebrew means, uh, is the word shalom, and it means that nothing is missing and nothing is broken, that, that everything is as it should be. And does that mean that everything is perfect? No, I, I think that's the wrong uh, angle on that, that word. In other words, you can have an imperfect situation, but your heart be perfectly at rest. You can have uh, situations that are, that are uh, looking bad toward you, that uh, you, you say, how did I find myself in this mess? But at the same time, you can find the grace of God. They, uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You may have to walk through the problem. But in the midst of that, you don't have to fear. You don't have to uh, lose that sense of peace that God can give you in the midst of it. So uh, this is the promise from Isaiah 54. You need to stretch forth your tent pegs. You need to lengthen the ropes. He's saying you need to add on to your house, lady. You're about to have some kids. There are going to be kids in your house. You've got to make some room for what God wants to do. And I want you to hear that today. Begin with the end in mind. Maybe your vision has been too small for your family because you were consulting where you came from and not what God was promising. I want to challenge you this morning. Don't think about your family uh, history. I want you to think about your family legacy. I want you to think about what God wants to do in your life that he can change things supernaturally in the midst of it. You can put the axe to the root of the family tree today and grow this new experience in your family that God has for you. Can you tell? I'm a little excited about this promise. I believe God's got something for you and I don't want you to miss it. So hear me very clearly uh, today. Now, I'm going to share with you uh, Psalm 127. If we were talking about the, the word of the Lord to the woman, I would say that's Isaiah 54. But if I were to say, uh, talk to the men of the household, Psalm 127, I would think probably speaks to the men. And, and you'll see why when we get in, into the midst of this. Psalm 127, verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Now, builders could be uh, females back in that day, but they're more than likely men. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen uh, stand guard in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the, uh, in the, in the gate, in the city gate. So what I want you to see from this passage uh, as we look into this word is that there's this two-part harmony uh, that you find all the way through scriptures where there's a God part and a man part, right? Houses are, are simply buildings that are constructed, 
but houses don't make homes. And, and another uh, picture of a house is a, a lineage uh, in, a, in a family, a family lineage. Would you be the house of David uh, or the house of Saul? That, that was talking about the family, the people. That, it had very little to do with the brick and mortar uh, or, or the thatched roof or whatever the location was that they were building. It had everything to do with who were the people that you were related to, who were the people that you were connected with. And here's what the psalmist says. Unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. Here's the two-part harmony. You and I have to recognize that we're going to do our part, but our part is always at some level going to be imperfect. It's never going to be fully developed. It's never going to be uh, just like we want. Oh, I got it just like I want it. Don't, don't wait. You know, don't blink. That thing's going to change again. I got it exactly like I wanted it. And all of a sudden, you know, what happened? No, he said it, it's, it's vanity to think that you're going to build your house only by the work of your own hands. It's the, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so what does it mean? What does it mean to have children that are taught by the Lord? What does it mean to say, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain? What does it mean that children are a heritage from the Lord? They are in, our inheritance that we are stewarding. Well, let me, let me just touch base with you on this thought for a minute. A lot of times when I talk to parents, they will say, I just don't know what happened to little Johnny or little Susie. They were such great kids. They were such great kids. And then, you know, they got through high school, or then they went away to that college, or then they, you know, they just seem to have gotten off track. Well, moms and dads don't despair. You know, you need to trust the Lord. You need, to, uh, you need to recognize that the, the, the proverb is true. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. What he's, what's that word is saying? It's not, it's not necessarily a promise, but what it is saying is that, that if you put the right stuff into kids, the word of God will do its work and bring them uh, back into alignment uh, one day. Now, it's not a foolproof. Every, every person on the planet has a free will. They have to choose God. Remember the old saying uh, that God has no grandchildren. He only has children. So they're going to have to choose the Lord for themselves. But what I want to say is that sometimes short-sighted parenting is responsible for kids going off the deep end. Now, uh, you and I are imperfect uh, like everybody else on the planet. But here's, here's my point behind that. Some parents never let their kids develop. Some parents never teach their kids that the world is a real place that they're going to have to interact with because they're busy trying to buffer them from every circumstance in life. And uh, the kids never really learn um, what they need to do in order to live life. So instead of saying, I want to raise great kids, you need to be saying, I, I want to raise great human beings. I want to raise up great adults. I want to teach them to live uh, outside of me, independently of me, but, uh, but uh, enjoying the fellowship with me. I don't want to have to bail my child out of every last thing that ever happened in their life. Will I be there to help them? Absolutely I will. And, and so would you. But we have to be people that say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach my kids what they need so that they can be mature, so that they can grow up, so that they can live their own lives, and so that they can have great uh, you know, raise up a, uh, some other great human beings to, in the second and third generation, right? Um, so here's, a, here's what the psalmist tells us. 
about what's important. Notice that he, he likens uh, uh, children to arrows. He likens children to arrows. He says, a quiver full of sons trained correctly is how we will contend with the enemy effectively. Um, one of the things that happens in our world, the enemy picks our pockets because he picks our kids off because we haven't thought through how we need to train our kids for their future. Um, we can't be there all the time. We can't, uh, it's harder to correct a character flaw when, when a person is 20, 25, 26, much easier when they're four, five, or six. And so we as parents need to recognize things early on in those stages so that we can help them get through. Um, so the, the psalm gives us this clue that we need, what we need to focus on. We need to be creating straight arrows. Now, uh, the, the next few moments, uh, some of the thoughts from this I got from a book by Dennis and, and Barbara Rainey having to do with uh, creating arrows, creating these, uh, these wonderful arrows that God has put in our life. And so I, I want to talk to you about the elements that make up an arrow and how it relates to a child. Number one, the arrow's shaft is the child's identity, that, that long uh, piece of wood that would have been fashioned for that arrow, this is, uh, this is likened to a child's identity. They need to understand what they're made of. They need to understand who they are. If we have a, a, a child that, is, uh, that doesn't understand that God created them in, the, in his image and his likeness, if they're not sure who they are uh, sexually, if they're not sure who they are spiritually, if, they're not, uh, uh, if they don't understand who they are, their, their self-identity is somehow or another warped, what's going to happen is that they're going to wobble their way through life. They're, they're going to struggle when they encounter uh, the lies of this world. And they're not going to have a clear understanding and say, you know what, I don't, I don't need to mess with that because that's not who I am. This is who I am. I'm this person and I'm not going to mess with that because uh, the kind of person I am doesn't have anything to do with those kind of things. And so uh, the, the shaft of the arrow that has to do with that self identity. And uh, the enemy, moms and dads, this is critical in helping your kids form a, a, a clear identity and in God's image. They, they are image bearers of God. And this will help them to be able to put down the attacks of the enemy. One of the things the enemy wants to do is lie to us about who we are. And uh, I just really want to challenge you, moms and dads, take seriously how your kids talk about themselves when they're younger. Take seriously uh, that, little, that, that, that self-talk if they constantly put themselves down, if they're constantly browbeating themselves, if they don't. Then, then it, you need to insert what the Word of God tells us uh, as it relates to who they are and their own personal self-image. You know, we live in a society uh, that, is, uh, that is fixated on death. We live in a society that's fixated on, uh, on, you know, look at all the skulls that you see around. Everything's got a skull. Everything's, it's, all this is related to skull. That's all, that's in, this infatuation in our world with death. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. This, he wants us to, to create life and bring life through ourselves and our kids need to embrace this culture of life in the midst of the fact that we live in a culture of death. So you need to be mindful about what your kids are thinking about as it relates to their identity. Secondly, the arrow's 
feathers. The feathers uh, that, that would be uh, mounted to that, those arrows, those things correct uh, any kind of wobble that would be in that shaft. And uh, those arrows would actually be likened to a child's character. Your child's character uh, is like the feathers of an arrow, and then it'll stabilize them by helping them to stay on target at all times. If, uh, if our kids, as we're raising them up, if we notice that one's lazy, if we notice that one uh, is dishonest, if we notice that they have these uh, character flaws, you know what? It's, it's easy when they're small to like overlook it, or sometimes when kids are really young, uh, you know, we, we laugh it off. We joke about it, but can I tell you that the, the, their, their character uh, is, is not going to change automatically. Their character needs to be adjusted and corrected under your tutelage. There needs to be the, those testings and those alignments to help them grow and develop. Now, some things that are not going to really make sense to them until a little bit later in life. I mean, if you have a, you know, uh, the, the scripture says uh, that, uh, that even a child is known by his ways, whether they are good or bad. Um, you know, kids early on, you can, no, you can notice if they're deceptive. You can notice if they're trying to put one on you. You can notice when they, when they start to, you know, look around the corner and see if the cookie's available even though they've been told not to get it. Um, you can notice these things, but you, you need to recognize that as kids grow, we need to, as parents, we need to speak into their character. Why? Because let me tell you, they're going to bump their head on authority the entire time in life. If they don't, if they don't rightly have a good character it's going to cost them in the workplace it's going to cost them at school it's going to cost them at life and so moms and dads we've got to be those people that that call them out when they're lazy that call when call them out hey you know what you just told a lie we don't do that in our family you can't do that. And, and so you begin to work on building them up. And I'm not saying browbeat them and tear them down. I'm saying give them the right stuff in their, uh, in their character and communicate those things. Is it uncomfortable? Absolutely it's uncomfortable. You, know, you want to know why? Because you know that you're imperfect. The hardest thing a parent will ever do is correct their bad habits in their own child. That's the hardest thing you'll ever have to do as a parent. You sit there and you say, oh my gosh, that's a mini me. That's, that's my behavior. Behavior. That's the thing that I do. And, and you look at that and you say, oh no, what am I going to do? You know what? Here's the good news. You're not, you're not training them to, to you. You're training them to God's standard, not to your standard. You have a, a, a mutual need for a savior. You can say to little Johnny or little Susie, I know you struggle with this. I have struggled with this, but I've met a savior. I've met a man named Jesus and he can help you. He can give you the strength to walk through this. And so you teach them that uh, you are in that place uh, together with them, working through those character issues. Number three, the arrows knock. The knock is that uh, little... Uh, uh, looks like a split piece at the end of the arrow where, where it connects into the string. And the, the arrow's knock is like the child's relationships. Think about that. Uh, the arrow is no good unless it can receive a transfer of power from the string, that kinetic energy when that bow is pulled back, the knock keeps it right in the right spot until the power is released. And you and I, our lives are changed and blessed by our relationships. 
And if we don't have the ability to maintain relationships with people, we are not going to go very far. You, don't, you want your children to be able to go far. Uh, the only way they're going to do that is to work out the, the understanding of, the, of how to do relationships in life. First of all, relationship with God. Second of all, their relationship with you. As parents, you are representatives of God to them. They, they're going to they're gonna take their cues on what God is like by the way you treat them. They're going to take their cues on how, uh, how to uh, walk through forgiveness by what you do and what you don't do. If you allow a breach in a relationship and your child watches that and they witness that, they're going to pick that up. And can I, can I just tell you that this is the way it works? You know, the, the, the scripture says it this way, if you sow the wind, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You know, the next generation, whatever, whatever is happening and you allow that in the smallest way in your life, it's going to be multiplied in your child's life. It's just the way, it's just the way it works. If, if you bend the truth a little, they'll bend the truth a lot. If, if you're just a little bit, uh, a little bit slack, you know what? They're likely to just, you know, not get off the couch. I mean, you've got to set standards. If you don't set standards in relationships, what's going to happen is, uh, is they're going to carry that into their future and their, their relationships are either going to carry them very far in a good way or carry them uh, far in the wrong way. And the way you and I do relationships is going to be modeled before them. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, you watch how they interact with their brothers and sisters. And there are things that you need to allow and things that you shouldn't allow. You watch how they uh, respond when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to authority. A number of years ago, uh, many, many years ago, several youth pastors ago, I had a conversation with a, a church family uh, that uh, they were talking about. Uh, the, 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 the kids told me that they were having a conversation about the youth pastor on their way home and how mom and dad chimed in on it and, and how, you know, they just basically had the youth pastor for lunch that day. And uh, I remember hearing about it after the fact. And I, I talked to the parents privately and I said, you know what? I, I'm not going to tell you how uh, to, to do what you do as parents, but can I just tell you, you, you may not have realized this, but you just walked yourself off a cliff because you just undermined this youth pastor's authority it, to your kids. You agreed with what they were saying. You undermined his authority. And I'm telling you right now, those kids are going to pay less attention to what you have to say now than they ever had. They, you have just contributed to their rebellion. You know, and, uh, and it was just a pattern. I could see it very clearly. And, you know, they didn't repent, and, and that, that kind of thing just played on out. Those kids just continued to rebel. Um, why? Because all authority is established by God. Moms and dads, if you talk about the police, if you talk about the government, if you talk about how they're not this and they're not that and they're not those things, you know what? You're, you, you can say, well, I'm undermining an individual, but you're also undermining the office. And the office is what's established where the authority is established. And so you're undermining your very own authority in front of your kids. You're teaching them it's okay. Can I tell you, we have to live in right relationship with relationships. We have to live in right relationship with our government. We have to live in right relationship with those things. Why? Because it's what the Word of God tells us. We live in submission to authority. Why? What's the point of it all? The why of it all is so that we can communicate the good news of Jesus. We already know that no human government is going to be perfect. That's why we're waiting for the King Jesus to come back, right? That's why we're waiting for the kingdom of God to come back and be set up. So we need to recognize living in relationship uh, to others is so, so, so critical. Number four, and then we're going to close today, that the arrow's point, the arrow's point, the tip of the arrow, the child's 
mission. Every person should have a driving passion which is put deeply within them by God. It's the point of their life. Uh, Once a child has their identity and their character and their relationships intact, the only thing left is to help them discover whatever, whatever that mission is in their life. Can I tell you as moms and dads that we don't give kids our mission. We have to help them discover what theirs is. And we come alongside of them, almost kind of like scaffolding. We come alongside of them and, and we start to see things begin to emerge. And here's the thing, moms and dads, be that person that calls, uh, calls those things out of your kids. They're, not, they're, not, they're gonna be immature. They're not gonna have those things perfectly, perfectly, but you're gonna see those seeds of greatness. You're gonna see those seeds of passion. You're gonna see those things that could be developed in their lives and talk about those things. Remember, we're beginning with the end in mind. They're not gonna have it all figured out at first, but what you do is you come alongside of them and say, you know what, I see this in you. I see that in you. And and you begin to call it out. You know, I was, a, I was a beneficiary of this early on in my life. My father-in-law, Holland Smith, and I were working one time. We were going down Guinea Road uh, in Gloucester, and uh, he and I were just in the front seat of his pickup. And I don't even know if Holly and I were engaged at the time. But he pointed to an old building that's long since fallen down. And he pointed to that building. This is about 1980. Six, I think, 1987. And uh, he pointed at that building and he said, you know what, I've often thought about buying that building and putting Holly in there to run a child care because she's got a really great gift with kids. And, and you know, she just nurtures kids. She's just like her mother. And she just nurtures kids. And, and uh, so she would really do great at that. You know what? I stored that away in my heart and mind. I observed it in my wife over the years. I watched her as she uh, taught at Gloucester Christian Academy. She subbed and, and classes in the high school. She always came home energized. Every time she had a chance to work with kids, she was always bubbling over. When she'd come home, she was just, I could, uh, there was a little more tempo in her conversation. She was all, always excited about it. And, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, fast forward, right, from 1986 to back in the mid-2000s when Holly started working uh, here at our, at our child care and, and eventually took it over. She's the CEO of it now. Uh, a couple of hundred kids, when we're open, a couple of hundred kids uh, call Little Lights their, uh, their, their daily operation, what they do from day to day, you know, some of them from six in the morning until late in the afternoon. They're here every day. And my wife runs that area. Her dad called that out. In 1986, within my hearing, and so I made a point in my mind to say, okay, how can I keep my wife working in this sweet spot? This is her mission in life. She's good at this. I want to I put some fuel around that. And you know, if you'll spend a little bit of time in prayer for your kids, if you'll begin to think and talk with them about what they're passionate about and what they're excited about, you're going to help them discover what their mission is. I love uh, what Mark Twain said. He said, the two most important days of your life, the day that you were born the day you discover why you were born. One of the things that we can do as parents is to help them discover why they were born. When they discover why they were born and that passion gets lit on the inside of them, you're not going to have to push them. You're going to have to try to slow them down. They're going to go after it. A lot of people wander through life and they don't get the point. They, they didn't have somebody come alongside of them and help them fashion that tip of their life so that they can discover what their mission is. And you know, so moms and dads, begin with the end in mind. 
Begin with the end in mind and remember that, uh, that without Jesus, life doesn't really make sense at all. The scripture says in John chapter 3, verse 7, don't be surprised. This is Jesus talking. Don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So the only way we can have uh, the, the, the family recipe that God wants us to have is if we include Jesus Christ in it. Because if we can include Jesus Christ in it, then God becomes our heavenly father. The only way to the father is through the son. And if we want to have a successful family, we're going to have to prioritize what it means to have Jesus in our lives so that the Father can be in charge in our lives. So I hope that you'll pray with me right now. And let's ask the Lord to come into our hearts and our lives and take over in our families. Father, thank you for the family recipe. Thank you that we can put the Son first and the Son will turn us over to the Father. And we can have the source of eternal life on the inside of us on a daily basis. We give you the glory for that, God. Thank you that we can put our trust and our faith in honoring you. And we, in fact, have the key to the family recipe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me today for the Word of God. Look forward to seeing you real soon.